Hi everyone, I'm Lisa. And I'm Nick. And welcome to It Takes Two, the podcast where two people take two movies with the same plot or premise and watch and discuss them. And in this episode we watched Lion King and The Northman. Yes, the uh, the original 1994 animated Lion King. Yep, oh. and the 2022, 21? 22, 22 is the year we're in right yeah, now. I, I forget, I don't know where I am. Send help. <laughs> um... Yeah, both a adaptation of the very famous Shakespeare play Hamlet. Well, kind of. Um, the Northman is is an adaptation of the Norse folk tale that inspired Hamlet to begin with. Um, so it's Norse interpretation of Hamlet based on their own folk tale, and then and then so Shakespeare stole it. Yeah, and Shakespeare stole it, and then Disney, Disney then stole, stole it. it. Okay, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, so Disney Disney is like the most watered down version. Yeah. Whereas the Northman is like the most raw version of this story that you're gonna see probably. Yeah, I would love to have seen a um, Lion King version that was similar to Northman, like. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it would be a little bit of a darker film. Yeah, especially when Simba comes back and instead of you know, just having like a a, a song and then a you know hero hero speech it would have just been him killing the hyenas and pinning their bodies and satanic looking brutal yeah visions on the sides of the pride rock and then um scar you know losing his kids and Mm -hmm. yeah oh you can wait for the sequel for that Oh, yeah, okay. You, ha you haven't seen The Lion King 2 yet, have you? Yes, so unfortunately <laughs> this is going to be... Well, unfortunately for me, fantastic for you at home, or at work, or in your car, or wherever you listen to podcasts, um, this will be a set of of, of episodes, yeah. being that we're covering um, some others that are yeah. also are we, based are we on... Gonna, for, for once, actually spoil our upcoming episodes? No, they can guess. They can continue <laughs> guessing. They can guess. Well, they know now that they're Lion King related. Yeah. So the next one will be Return of Jafar. Um, <laughs> yes. The uh, the infamous second Lion King film, Return yeah, of Jafar. And, and then the the horrible live action that's not live action because it's just CGI reboot that's um, with Aladdin. No, I don't know. Um, <laughs> okay. Oh, I will say we've that gone neither of those are the films that we're <laughs> doing, but... Um, yeah, pe people will be able to figure it out. Maybe, maybe not. Okay. Leave it in the comments. I don't think we actually have comments, but that's fine. I, I mean, you can comment on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Those all have comments. True. That's yeah. where you can't write comments. Anyway, we've gone on a tangent here. Yeah, we always um, do. There are some standout acting in both of these films. Um, mainly uh, James Earl Jones um, and Jeremy Irons. Like, everyone knows the line of, long live the king. Yeah. You know. Um, oh. I will say, the uh, researching the trivia for The Lion King has, has um, upended my childhood memories of this movie because I've discovered that um, Be Prepared, Scar's villain song, which I love. It's, like, one of my favorite villain songs of, of like, all Disney movies. Um, Jeremy Irons... There's the moment where he says, you won't get a sniff without me. He, like, screams it, and he killed his voice doing it. So for the rest of the song, uh, his voice wasn't powerful enough, so they redubbed it with Jim Cummings singing, or, like, doing a Jeremy Irons impression. 
And I never knew this, but I read this before we started watching it, and it's so obvious listening to it, the moment that it switches to Jim Cummings. I was just suddenly like, holy shit, that's just Jim Cummings singing. That's, like, Jeremy Irons is just gone from the rest of the song. And I have never noticed before. I've heard that song so many times and never noticed. And then I read that, and then I listened to it, and it's like, Jeremy Irons, Jeremy Irons, Jeremy Irons, oh, there's Jim Cummings all of a sudden. It's it's funny because... You know, there's there's a stigma within the acting industry that says that voice acting isn't a real job. Um, Japan, obviously, their industry is massive, so they they don't believe that it this way. Mm. Um, they have you know the celebrities that voice act famous characters are mobbed in the street. Yeah. Um, the same way you know Tom Hanks' wife got pushed over the other day at the airport. Um, the other day, meaning like a month ago or longer. Look, or I've explained to you it is a Kiwiism. It means either yesterday or when I was born. It's anywhere in between. All right? Um, you just lost my train of thought. Yeah, it's back Jap- on the tracks. Japanese yes. voice uh, actors are... So slim. if you ever watch like... Um, there's a... Fa- my favourite is the meme, the meme version. But it's... There's um, Wolverine, uh, Logan, uh, mm-hmm. Hugh Jackman recording Logan's audio when he's um, on the drug that makes him, his uh, amps up his mutant powers and he's running through and he's re-recording his audio of him grunting and growling and stabbing right. people. And people put it to all sorts of stupid crap because he's watching himself on screen because obviously he's doing the... Um, ADR. ADR, thank you. And... You know, there's people who put it to Minecraft, so he's literally just, like, punching trees and stuff, which is, you know, it's funny. But when you look at, say, um, one of the big ones that killed a lot of voice actors' voices, and they obviously had to do it for a very long time, was um, the uh, English dub of Dragon Ball Z. Because mm. there's, for some reason, Funimation, when they did their recut... Um, put in, like, huge extra sequences to, you know, pad out the show to get more episodes in. And there's just episodes of just the main character screaming really loudly. (laughs) And it's like, previously on Dragon Ball Z, ah! Next time on Dragon Ball Z, ah! And, you know, you watch the voice actors do it, because I've seen clips of them actually recording it, and... You know, they're, they're, uh, I can't remember, and Floyd's going to hate me for it. Um, the voice actor who voiced Trunks mm-hmm. literally passed out in the recording booth because the like, director was like, no, you've got to go harder. You've got to go harder for this. Like, your father's in trouble. You have to, you know, he's unconscious. You're allowed to release whatever new version of Super Saiyan that he unlocked. Yeah. And you have to go hard, and he literally passed out in the booth from screaming so <laughs> intensely. And it's funny because um, when it comes to sort of the, that, because that, I remember it quite importantly because I remember watching the movie and um, understanding why people were so shocked because from my point of view, it was like the best they'd ever done, which was um, Spirits Within, the Final Fantasy movie Spirits Within, where mm-hmm. they had 
um, CGI replicas of the people, mm. the actors, and they were terrified that you could steal their appearance and put them in movies and blah, blah, blah. And there was a huge thing with the... Um, Which is now real with deepfakes. And yeah, yeah, stuff. yeah. Well, that's super banned in most places. Um, the... Yeah, it was the, the voice acting and, like, mocap and stuff these days. It's like it's all part of the, you know, the acting process. Um, obviously, then it was a big, big thing of, you know, actors were terrified that, you know, studios could just steal their image and steal their voice and just be, well, you don't need to pay you anymore. Mm. I can just replicate you on screen if you want to argue about your frigging contract yeah. and how you're not getting a... I mean, I've seen, like, an ad on TV with Audrey Hepburn in it. Yeah, that stuff's disgusting. Yeah. Um, it's They've like, recreated Marilyn Monroe, I believe, now as well. Well, Tupac was on stage as a hologram, and then yeah. Yeah, South Park took a piss out of it, and it was hilarious. Um, what bugs me, like, because I bring it up recently all the time um, to you, is the, the fact that um, DMX died, and then they just instantly had his music playing on a KFC mm. ad, and I was just like... DMX would kill all of you people for doing this to him. But anyway, um, we are such on a tangent this episode. It's been fantastic. Yeah, I mean, you, you just kind of went totally went off the rails. But it's all right. We haven't even talked about the movies. Yes, we have. <laughs> uh, Rowan Atkinson, again. Um, big fan of Rowan Atkinson. Um, Going to be interested in watching Man vs. B. Oh, shortly. no. I don't want to watch Man you don't want to watch Man vs. B? That's fine. <laughs> uh, consider it watched when you're at work. Um, oh, Man vs. B. Why? What's I, just, I don't understand how they're going to do it. It's like 11 episodes long or something, and it's just a man and a bee. Yeah, and I'm going to claim to you when I've finished watching those 11 episodes that it should have been 22. Um, <laughs> yeah, because obviously I grew up with him playing Bean mostly because mm. Blackadder was a little bit too old for me at the time that I was playing yeah. on New Zealand television. So, um, you know, having him as an actual voice actor and actually having lines. Yeah, and he didn't want to do it initially because he loves how much um, physical comedy he does. And, yeah. he, and he was like, well, I can't do that in an animated film. And then um, I think it was the producers of Bean said to him, it's Disney, why would you not want to work for Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he went and did it. But it's funny because this character does have a bunch of physical comedy yeah. built into it. And probably because they had Rowan Atkinson as the, uh, the voice actor, it worked. Yeah, it's interesting because yeah, I can see I can see where he's coming from because we watched that Vanity Fair video where he was talking about like close angle and wide angle is how you make comedy because everything at wide angle is always funnier. Mm. And it was yeah, comedy starts in the legs is what he said. <laughs> um, when you don't have any legs because you're an animated bird, is it a yeah? It is a bird. Yeah, he's a toucan. T- like Sam. Uh, yeah, like, like Sam. <laughs> Sam the Toucan? That's not the right name. Um, where are we up to? Yes, um, obviously um, we get a Skarsgård, you know, uh, fantastic performance. Um, I can never remember her name in the correct order. Taylor Joy, Joy Taylor. Oh, Anya Taylor-Joy. Yeah, there we go. Um, who was obviously pushed to maximum fame from being quite obscure by her pro- just brilliant performance in... Um, Queen's Gambit? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, she was in The Witch first, which was Robert Eggers' first film. Yes. Um, so this is his third feature film, and she was in his first feature film. We should probably talk about the lighthouse in the room. 
which is the middle movie. The lighthouse in the room, is yeah. what he said? Yeah, can you see it? Um, it haunts <laughs> me. Um, which, again, um, <laughs> we have Willem Dafoe playing Willem Dafoe turn to 11. Oh my god, Willem Dafoe and Robert Eggers are my favourite couple. Yes. I, <laughs> um, because Willem Dafoe in The Lighthouse is fantastic and Willem Dafoe in The Northman is, is fantastic. fantastic. And I feel like it's just Robert Eggers' style with Willem Dafoe's acting is like perfection. It's the... So I, I don't want to spoil much of The Northman because it is... Northman, sorry. Because it is a quite recent movie and um yeah i don't think it's going to get the the box office it deserves because obviously there's a lot of big time like it, we had to pick between going to see doctor strange and this at this time and um obviously we picked doctor strange because we were terrified as all all people should be of getting spoilers online mm. so you know yeah so people are picking yeah. Bigger blockbuster movies over this. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of I think a lot of people will have seen the Northman though as well. I hope so. Um but yeah, it is uh by the time this is coming out, not still in cinema. Um I'd probably or might be in some places, I don't know. COVID COVID has made a mess of the movie industry. Yeah, how how COVID's <laughs> affected cinema releases is strange and it Things, some things are staying in the cinema longer, some things aren't, some things are releasing at different times in different places. So if you're still able to see the Northman in cinema, um, yeah, I'd say see it. Yeah. Um, if, you're, if you want something that's going to be... Right. If, if, if you like Egger's work... Yeah, if you've seen Robert Eggers' other films and you enjoy them, go see the Northman in cinema. Uh, if you haven't... Um, Lighthouses on Netflix. Yeah, but be aware. I'd say go see Northman, maybe, but be aware um, the films are weird. They're quite dark, and there's a lot of, um, I don't know, a, a violence or body horror, maybe, is the way to... Not I, like not an excessive amount, but it is in there. It's not like... Because we had this huge run of torture porn... Uh, yeah. with Hotel... Oh, no, Hotel Hostel. Yeah, it's not torture porn. It is... The the violence is more visceral and it's kind of inescapable for a short amount of time and it, it's designed, in my opinion, as the viewer, to leave you shocked more than grossed out. Yeah. Um, I will say... So this is probably less weird than his other films... Largely because it's his first big budget, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, like backed by a production company. So he had to, I think the, the I read a quote by him and it was like, I think it was um, due to changes by the production company. So he's still happy with how it's turned out. But he said it's probably the most entertaining version of this film, but he wouldn't have wanted to make it the most entertaining version, <laughs> <laughs> which I love. Um, because he's he's not out there for entertainment. No. Um, so yeah, it's it's a good it's definitely a good movie. Um, but I think you need to have some awareness of what you're going into. Yeah, the I think the tree sequences, um, which is all related to like the family tree, and I think those sequences are quite shocking if you're not expecting his kind of work. Yeah. Um, if you've seen The Witch, that's, they're not very shocking. Yeah. 
the most people might have not seen this. Yeah, I think a lot of people won't have seen The Witch. Yeah. I think more people have seen The Lighthouse, but maybe not a whole lot. Yeah. Um, I think if you're looking for other films that are along a similar vein, things like Hereditary have, have similar kinds of... They, they invoke similar feelings, I yeah. would say. Um, yeah, I don't know. He's very a very unusual filmmaker. Yeah. But I like his work. Yeah, we, we need more. Um, <laughs> it's it's the the styles that you know certain directors have and i think his is just unique and crazy enough just to like work perfectly for you know a, a small genre of of um film types and i think you know this story fit into it quite well because it is you know the story of of um, vengeance and seeking retribution for the murder murder of your father and you know that sort of um, especially obviously it's based on the Norse um, Norse myth you know you get a lot of the some of the sequences that are like absolutely fantastic um, for for me um, something that came up for that I, 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 probably halfway through the movie is the the the, the uh, magic sword that he got. Mm. Um, we can go into that sort of closer to the mid part of the episode. Episode, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, they are pretty, pretty much the same story. Obviously, there's a few differences. Obviously, one being you know um, one of them's uh, Skarsgård and the other one's an animated lion. Um, <laughs> I mean, there was a point in the Northman where Amleth, as a child, and his father were crawling around in all fours, roaring at each other. And yeah, I was it's like, true. It's true. I, I just I sat there and went, "What? Which film? Is this the Lion King?" Um, I think the for me the big difference between the two. I mean, aside from like obviously Disney is gonna like remove the violence to some degree there's still some violence in there um but the big thing is in my opinion that's different is um what part of the timeline they focus on so in the lion king most of the movie happens while simba is a child yeah so it's all about you know what his childhood was like him and his father um you know their relationship and then you know and then obviously as everyone i hope this isn't a spoiler for anyone but spoilers Mufasa dies, um, <laughs> uh, and that's quite far into the film. And yeah. then he still, we still see him as a child meeting Timon and Pumbaa and all that stuff. And then, it, and then it's you know the time skip happens quite late in the film. Whereas in um, the Northman, you have Prince Amleth, um, and you get to see a, just like glimpse of his relationship with his father. And then his father is killed quite early on in the film. Yeah. And then you've got the immediate time skip, and then most of the film, or like a, a very large portion of the film, is him finding his uncle and enacting vengeance in small ways leading up to um, a final confrontation. Yeah, it's interesting because the the um, the character motivations between um, Simba and I'm not going to try and pronounce the name. Amleth. Say that again for me one more Amleth. time. Amleth. Say it one more time. Amleth. Amleth. Yeah. Okay. It's like Hamlet, but you put the H at the, at the end instead of the beginning. Of course. Um, <laughs> the revenge plots, obviously, you know, you have to go through several verses of a song before Simba's convinced, where versus um, it's literally as soon as his father and the village is being pillaged, he's rowing away and, you know, having a, a revenge mantra. 
Yeah, they do, though, um, in The Northman, very much he loses that. So, like, at the beginning, he's got this idea of, I must get vengeance, but he leaves because he can't because he's a child. Yeah. Um, whereas Simba leaves because he thinks that he's responsible for the death and he runs. Um, but very much, I think, in The Northman, when we see him again as an adult, he has totally forgotten about it, and he's fallen in with this group of raiders, and he's, you know, raiding towns, whatever, and it's only when he sees this, like, um, soothsayer... Valkyrie person, like yeah. played by Bjork. Um, of course. That um, she reminds him. And it's similar to um, the scene in Liking where Rafiki shows him his own reflection and turns it into Mufasa and you get that remember who you are, yeah. James Earl Jones speech. Um, you know, that's what's happening there. And she's saying you need to remember where you came from and what your, you know, what your fate is. And your fate is to seek vengeance on your father and kill your uncle. Yeah. And then he suddenly is like, okay, I have to do this. This is what I have to do now. And then from that moment onwards, he's convinced. And like that in The Lion King, um, you get Simba is very much entrenched in his life with Timon and Pumbaa. And he's he's content to stay there. And even, you know, Nala is trying to convince him to, you know, she finds him and tries to convince him to come back. And he's like, no, I'm, you know, whatever, I'm fine here. Um, and it's then when he gets this... Um, you know, gets his memory jolted and Rafiki hits him on the back of the head and all that, um, that he suddenly is like, I am the king and I do have a responsibility to these people. Um, but it's very, yeah, it's different because I don't think, Simba's not trying to get revenge, but Simba at that point still doesn't know that Scar is responsible for his father's death. Yeah. Um, so he's not seeking vengeance at that point. Um, he's just realizing that he has some kind of responsibility as king to the people that he left behind. Yeah, the whole concept to me of monarchy, obviously I live in a Commonwealth country and the highest person of rank in our country is not the Prime Minister, it's in fact the Governor General who is the appointed figurehead for the Queen and the reigning monarchy within the Commonwealth. Um, like... Scar comes in, kills Mufasa, spoilers, um, when Snape arrives and kills Dumbledore. Um, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it came out years ago! Every kid's seen the you friggin... You just spoiled something that's not even what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> oh my god, okay. Um, Darth Father is... Ba- Darth Father, Darth Vader. Dark Father is in fact Luke Skywalker's Darth dad. Darth Vader. <laughs> That's literally his yeah, name yeah. translated. His name is Dark Father. Um, um, James Earl Jones. Yeah, best Luf- performance. Mufasa is Luke's father. <laughs> yeah, it could be translated. Um, either way, you just like take you know scenes with Darth Vader and just put bits of Lion King in, and it'll work perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Um, same as if you ch- change Rafiki for um, Willem Dafoe's character in either movies yes. and oh have the exact God. same sequences, and nothing would have changed. I really like that's the the only way the Northman could be better for me is if there was more Willem Dafoe in it. Yeah. And even if that legitimately was, they just lifted scenes of Rafiki from the Lion King and had Willem Dafoe reenact them frame by frame. Perfect movie. I just want to see Willem Dafoe do Rafiki. Yeah. As the character that he was in The Northman. Yeah, which was just insane. Um, which is, I can't remember his character's name, but he's essentially Yarick from Hamlet. Yeah. It's interesting. They even have his skull later on. Yeah. 
there's interesting how much of um, how much of the the like from my point of view the thing that why I like science fiction is because I like things to be accurate and relevant and realistic and etc etc etc. Lion King plays a little bit into this um, as the jokes about you know. Nala's his half-sister, and then when he took over his pride, he'd have to sleep with his own mum and his, like, aunties and stuff. But, you know, regardless of that and being that he's been gone for years, Nala would have had cubs to scar, and the first thing Simba would have had to do is come into the pride and maul all of Scar's kids to death. Again, it's touched on in the sequel, okay. um, so we can talk I'm, about I'm gonna, it. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy Disney's portrayal of Simba mauling Nala's... No. Cubs to death. That's going to be I a fantastic. No, no, don't don't spoil it. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that sequence. Um, Whoopi Goldberg playing the head hyena is accurate from yes. hyenas because they have a matriarchal um, society. Yeah. Or well, not society because they don't build stuff. Um, um, a community within their groups. Yeah. Though um, what's not accurate is that they're kind of the scavengers because hyenas Yeah, actually, hyenas are fucking terrifying. Yeah, so lions, more often lions will scavenge from hyena kills than yeah. the other way around. Um, accurate, though, that the, the female lions are the ones that do the hunting. Um, yeah. And uh, accurate to... Uh, I was going to say a dark word, but I won't. Um, accurate to animal behavior in uh, adolescent animals is the males always let the females win in their little tugs of war. Right. Um, which obviously is played out in the movie where Nala keeps pinning Simba. Yeah. Until Simba finally pins Nala. <laughs> wow. Your face was just like, oh my God, he went there. Yeah. Um, well, that's how you get a sequel out of it. You gotta have another another cub. Um, also, it's, it's it's to do the whole you know circle of life thing. Oh that the, God, that is some. That like, the film opens with the birth of Simba and it ends with the birth of Simba's child. You know that's the the, the problem with the circle of life thing is it's been such it's used by a certain group of people um, for justification, uh, and, it, and it pisses me off. But I won't get into that. Okay. Um, you know what I'm talking about. I have an idea. Yeah. Um, anyway, the, the point I was making, um, is there is some sequence, like, how weird and wonderful and beautiful, uh, Norse mythology is, um, especially when they came for the first time into mixture with, uh, Christians, um, like, I think Vikings did it really well when it talked about, like, I um, talking to you about Vikings and how they did well. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, anybody who knows anything about the actual history, it's it's completely off. Like, there's people that were meeting, like, you know, as, you know, in their prime of their age, but they were born 200 years apart, similar to Braveheart. But um, the, yeah, the, the accuracy of, of how the Norse, um, believed how their gods worked and you know um, they're coming into contact with Christianity and talking about like how can their god be strong he's dead like our gods are alive they they literally live with us <laughs> and you know the sequences um, when you go into the his, uh, the mythology of Odin and his sons and his daughters and his wife and, and so on and so forth and his, the um, 
the fact that they you have sequences within that uh, in the movie where you see um, the gods appear and like the the movie opens with a a prayer to Odin um, and you know, the the ravens helping um, which are basically the you know he sees it as his father it's like my father's come from the spirit world to help me mm. but um, ravens obviously um, are a sigil of Odin and Odin's you know you you were on a battlefield as a Viking in that time and you saw a raven flying over your head you'd be like oh my gods are literally with me like I'm here to fuck shit, some shit up and steal some you know gold goblets from some priests and burn down their monastery um, yeah, they did. They um, they were very very dedicated to being historically accurate. Yeah. the Northmen, like they had archaeologists uh, consulting on it. Um, they based the uh, there's a funeral scene at one point. I was going to mention his yes, funeral, yes. but I won't. I guess I won't. Um, um, but they based the funeral on an actual funeral took place. Like they even used word for word what the servant at, at the actual funeral. Yes, yeah, it's an interesting um, concept of. Uh, it's very like most people know about um, Egyptology and the whole concept that when a pharaoh was buried, all of his like servants and you know pets and you know next door neighbors were all buried with him to look after him in the afterlife because yeah. you know, even when you're rich and you die, you still need servants. Um, yeah, that that yeah. From what I understand historically, the the whole blessing of a servant to go with their master into the next world and them literally being loaded onto the pyre with them and being like, I can, you know, being fed really, really ridiculously strong psychogenics and alcohol at the same time, which I will come into again in a short, um, please pause on that brain. Thank you. Um, (laughs) The, yeah, having your servant go into and literally being like, I'm riding with him, I'm riding with my master in Valhalla, like, you know, everything's fantastic and they're like, you know, praying as it's all part of the duty, and obviously from an outsider who doesn't like Athelstan and the Vikings, it's just like, what the fuck is going on? It's like, oh, it's a major honor. She's going to go join the master in the afterlife. Like, yeah. And he's like, what? What? You're killing a woman? It's like, no, no, no. She volunteers to go. This is like the highest honor. Yeah. Um, unpause on that train of thought, and now I've lost it. What um, about the alcohol? Yes. So, in the sequence, before he meets the Sousslayer, um, when, they're, when they're raiding in the lands of the Rus, um, when he's a full-grown adult, this is the first time you see him as a full-grown adult, um, he, they um, drink a concoction before and start acting like beasts, and then they fully absorb into it, and they arrive on the battlefield. Well, they arrive at the village wearing animal skins and they literally when the enemy see them they literally just roar and charge into battle yeah um the viking berserker which is what the the term coined for them was a legitimate thing they were fed um basically magic mushrooms and alcohol and you know pretended for a short amount of time in a massive group because you know toxic masculinity and all that sort of shit when you get a bunch of guys together and they're all drunk they all start acting the same um, so you add, you know, uh, magic mushrooms on top of that and, you know, you start acting like a demonic creature from the outside point of view. From them, it was, they were just like entering partly into the spirit realm and giving the, the soul of the um, the animal, you know, with them and they, therefore they gain the power of it, which I will touch on shortly. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it, that was historically accurate and 
brilliant yeah. to see on stage on stage <laughs> on screen where it wasn't um, supernatural. It was just psychological. Yeah, it was it was done the way they actually would have done yeah. it because you have that whole sequence later um, where Amleth is trying to kind of like literally drives him mad when yeah. he's when he's arrived like because he he essentially he brands himself as a slave to get put in as a slave um in his uncle's um village or whatever yeah because his uncle has moved to iceland uh after losing the kingdom that he stole from his father and um what he does is he works with anya taylor joy's character um and they essentially put magic mushrooms and things in the food of um the soldiers and drive them insane and they start like seeing things and whatever but the the reason soldiers are out there is because they've already tricked them into believing there's demons coming yeah um, so they all believe there's demons, and then they start to see them because they've been fed this stuff. And one of them, you know, um, trigger warning here. One of them literally slits his own throat. Yeah. Um, and I love what was interesting to me about the the whole that whole portion of the film is that when I was looking at the so I didn't look at the IMDb trivia for the Northman until I watched it. But the Lion King I had read before the two, I'd watched the two of them because I've already seen it, you know, yeah. many times. Because that, that, that is a very powerful sequence when Simba and Nala sneak into um, Scar's camp and put magic mushrooms <laughs> yeah, yeah, on yeah. Um No, but it's um, one of the things that the Lion King is apparently based on is the story of Moses. And I don't see that in the Lion King, but I see that uh, in the Northmen. The, come on. Oh, I don't you, see it as much. Yeah, you know, okay. The I whole mean, they both had to, like, guy being isolated off and, you know, and then... I was going to say when God, God, God appears in the sky and tells yeah. him to go kill his uncle. Yeah, so that that kind of stuff. But um, but this whole sequence in The Northman is the plagues. Yeah. You know? So he has, like, the... He he kills some people and arranges their body parts on a... On a... um Outside of a, a house... Um, which leads to one of my favorite quotes in the whole movie, actually, because I just thought it was the perfect description of Christianity. Because these guys are not Christians, but they're aware of Christianity. Um, and when they do this, they're they're like, "Did the Christians do it?" And then one of the guys says, "Their God is a corpse nailed to a tree." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Well, I guess accurate. Their God is a corpse nailed to a tree." Yeah. But um, you know, so he does that, and then they have the you know they poison all the guys, and then he ends up. Um, spoiler alert, he ends up killing his uncle's firstborn child. Yeah. Um, and that is, you know, the last of the plagues, is killing the firstborn child. Um, talking of killing the firstborn child, um, the his relationship with his mother is interesting. Yeah. Um, because she is... Because I, I don't, like... I, like most kids, when they do... When you do school... Um, when you're when you're forced to go to school because of child labor laws, um, the being required as reading to read um, Shakespeare um, obviously put me off Shakespeare. So I don't actually know the full. I know movies and things that I like are based on his stories, but I don't know the actual original. Right. And I. I I would have read in school. I read um, Romeo and Juliet and Macbeth, and I think I really, really enjoyed reading Macbeth in school. So I think that made me have a more positive relationship with with Shakespeare's work True. to some extent. But I've never read Hamlet. Yeah, it's very long. Yeah, 
It's too Because you were, you were saying on stage is five hours. I think it's something like that. Yeah, it's like yeah. five hours. It's ridiculous. Um, or something along those lines. Like, it's a, it's a very, very long play. Uh, you know, like, most people complain about... Most general movie audiences complain about movies being too long these days. You imagine going to an actual stage play. Especially, you know, in the days before, you know, air conditioning. Yeah, I mean, they, they have, um, you know, intervals and things. Yeah. But I went to see, um, I went to the Globe Theatre in London once, but it was literally just at the end of a trip to London, and we had to leave in the middle of the play because the play was too long, and <laughs> we, uh, we needed to catch a flight. But we saw um, Titus Andronicus, which is a Shakespeare play that people used to literally just walk out of because of how hor- horrifying it is. That's correct. We walked out of it for different reasons. It was because we had to go somewhere. Sure it was. But, uh... <laughs> just like Bruce Wayne. Um, the... What I wanted to get to, talking of, uh, back to my um, in, in absorbing the power of animals into your ability. So, for those who don't know anything about um, the, the era of um, early discoveries of steel, um, so Damascus steel, which is what the sword, the magic sword that is basically destined to wield to kill his enemies with, um, is... Damascus, uh, which is folding uh, high-carbon and low-carbon steel together to uh, negate the negatives of both materials and infuse the positives of both the materials together. Um, Damascus was a place, and I know, uh, I know, doing my own research, that um, the Vikings, because of their um, naval travel abilities, basically had these massive trade roads from and routes throughout, um, out of Europe into Asia and came across this, this type of um, metallurgy that wasn't used primarily in Europe at the time. Um, that was later on. Earlier on, um, what they were doing to basically make the first form of steel um, is very interesting. Um, they, differently from... Uh, earlier parts of Europe um, and earlier empires where they had the, the resources and the massive empires and the um, ores and things coming in, they were doing different things. But what uh, the Vikings, well, I say the Vikings, but the, the, the Norse people were doing to forge swords, these were obviously, they weren't for like your standard on the battlefield soldier, they were for kings and lords and uh, yarls and things like that, you know, you had to be quite high standing to be able to afford these things because they were very, very expensive. Um, because obviously resources are, you know, very hard to come by when you don't have, you know, giant machines digging out of the ground. Uh, the So what they were doing was they were taking their crude iron and when they were uh, melting it down and um, making purified ingots uh, to then forge into swords and axes and etc. They were adding bone and they were either adding human bone to like, you know, the same with the the, uh, concept of stealing your your enemy's power to infuse it into your weapon. Um, They would use wolf bone, they would use um, bear bone and what bone is basically burnt down to is turns into carbon so you're adding carbon to iron, which is the basically the earliest form of steel. Because right. most people will argue steel wasn't invented until the Industrial Revolution. 
but that's incorrect because the the Norse did it first, guys. The Norse did it first. They were the first people to make steel. Obviously, it was rudimentary, um, but at, when they've done testing on how, because uh, it was done in a crucible. I, I don't want to get into like, a 45-minute long conversation of me just running about how st um, st weapons are made because I you know love it. Um, yeah, it's, it's the tensile strength of the crucible steel made from um, carbon from bones and that iron is as good as anything industrially made now. Which is insane mm. for, what was it, 800-something? Uh, yeah, I think yeah, was it like yeah. nine hundred and fourteen yeah. or something? I can't remember the, the date on it. Yeah, but yeah, so that that that's pretty insane for for a time where you know people are like, oh, without the industrial, without electricity, you can't do anything. It's like, well, nah. if you if you you know screw around long enough, something brilliant's going to happen eventually. Anyway, I've rant over. Continue on with something else that's not related to everyone's just tuned out and being like, shut the fuck up, Nick, you fucking nerd. Oh, no, that's what, they, that's what they're here for. They're here for the nerd, the nerd stuff. Oh, okay. The good stuff, the, you know, the facts and things. Um, I don't know, what, 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 <laughs> what, <laughs> what? is there more of the movie that you want to talk about? <laughs> um, which one? Uh, Hi there. Uh, there were two movies. I do, I do still love The Lion King. Yeah, I, I can understand, like, for me, for me, I remember seeing some of these movies in theatre. Um, I think The Lion King is the first film I remember seeing in the cinema. What year was it? 94? 94, I would have been three when it came out. But it probably came out, it might have come out in 95 in Ireland, so I might have been four. Yeah. But I would have been, you know, three or four years old. Yeah. And I remember it because I went... Myself and my older brother, if I remember, if I remember correctly, this is, this is assuming I have accurate memories of Of your four-year-old self, yeah. yeah. But if I remember correctly, myself and my older brother went to the cinema with our uncle and aunt on the, and we sat on, the, we went on the bus, and I remember that, because I didn't have a car. And I just have this memory of going to see The Lion King. Anyway, um, the music is beautiful in The Lion King. I actually have, like, I actually have a, I actually have a tribute fact that's not, online anywhere is I got it from uh, a person who worked on The Lion King. Um, she was a story supervisor on The Lion King and she told, not just me, but like a group of people, it wasn't like a one-on-one -on -one <laughs> conversation. But she broke into her house no, 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 got no. the information out of her. Uh, she was saying that um, the original version of The Circle of Life that Elton John gave them sounded terrible and they were all like, oh no, this movie is going to be really bad because everyone's going to hear this opening song and be like, what the hell am I watching? <laughs> and Hans Zimmer listened to it and was like, I can fix this. And then he gave them the version that's in the movie and they were like, how did he do this <laughs> with what we had? So Hans Zimmer fixed the, the circle of life, the Elton John version. Did, did she go into detail what was wrong with it? Um, I think it just, it was, I think it was like, so I think the vocals that you hear are the same, but I think it was that with just like some like poppy music. Right. Whereas Hans Zimmer went and got like, um, you know, chanting in Swahili and like actual instruments that made sense with it and like turned it into this like big epic musical number. Yeah. So it was the circle of life set to the music from Rocketman <laughs> played on the piano while Elton maybe. John was drinking brandy in his own recording studio. Maybe, maybe. But it's funny because there, there was, there was, there is like IMDb trivia about um, 
the Can You Feel the Love Tonight? Because apparently, apparently that was the this people who wrote the movie wanted it to be um, a comedy song as a duet between Timon and Pumbaa. Yeah. And um, Elton John and Tim Rice were like, no, no, we want to do it as like a romantic song. So they, so they, so they were finally like, okay, all right, well, you know, and they, you know, met halfway into one of them missing the beginning and end, yeah. um, and then the, the, they didn't like it, so they cut it from the movie. So Elton John like petitioned to put the, get them to put it back in, and they did, and then he won an Oscar for it. Nice. Um, <laughs> but they they cut they cut it from the movie, and he was like, please, I worked so hard on this. <laughs> Should have worked harder on Circle of Life, buddy. Yeah. See, um, put my song back in the movie. See, for me, it's those sequences. I don't know what it is with me, but mm-hmm. those are the sequences I just tune out. Yeah, you don't like the the music? I just... I, I'm not... A, like, it's so funny because the um, Johnny Depp adaptation of Sweeney Todd, right. I've probably seen... A dozen times. Okay. Um, I have listened to, and people who knew me at the time will know this for a fact, I have listened to the soundtrack to Repo the Genetic Opera dozens and done upon dozens upon dozens of times. Okay. And there's certain things, um, there are, you know, certain songs from, certain things that I really, really, really get hooked on and for some reason they just like weasel into my, you know, the, the mind worms take over and they mm-hmm. just weasel their way in. Um, or burrow in the case of worms. I don't think worms really weasel anything. Um, the, yeah, just something about Disney songs irks me and I don't know what it is and if one day I figure it out, I'll probably be a less concerned and confused person mm, I, I like Disney songs I know um, to me it's just like how you know exactly like you said you know Elton John winning an Oscar but um, I don't know it's even like the guy who wrote let it go apologised because you know there were so many parents whose ears and eyes and noses were bleeding as they speaking of let it go oh the, um, in the you know it, there's a bit in The Lion King where um, Scar gets um, Zazu to sing a song and he starts singing It's a Small World Yeah, and he's like, he's like yeah, no yeah. anything but that apparently after the release of Frozen um, on the, in the stage musical version of The Lion King he now sings Let It Go oh god because that's the song that makes Scar go no anything but that yeah because <laughs> that's the song that's played in the, the ride right what It's a Small World yeah. yeah 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 I like I used to have like a Disney like Disney Disneyland CD when I was a kid and I love that song I used to sing it all the time um but also any of my any of my friends who've ever been in a car with me in Ireland will know that I like used to have like mixed CDs that I made for myself for like and I had one that was just called Sad Disney Songs and it was just all the sad Disney songs on one CD if I felt sad I wanted to listen to sad Disney songs I'm glad our relationship isn't based on a mutual taste of music so <laughs> some mutual taste in music yeah um i've introduced you to stuff you've tried to introduce me to stuff i found stuff you introduced me to later on on my own and being like oh, i really like this and you've been like what the I, no okay whatever <laughs> i give up yeah um i do like disney though yeah. i just really like disney 
I like musicals in general, though. They, you know, you, but you don't, but there's no musicals on here. I drag you to a musical, except there's never musicals on in Wellington. Yeah. So I can't. I'd go to the bathroom and never come back. Uh, oh, you'd, you'd do what my dad does when my mom goes to art galleries with him and he finds the nearest pub. <laughs> well, they don't drink, so that ain't going to happen. <laughs> no, no, but you'd, you'd go do something yeah, else. Yeah. It's like the time I was waiting for you uh, to pick up Strider and I went to the hobby store. It's like Turtles did. Um, nice. Or go get your donuts or cronuts. Yeah, we. I now I just want cronuts. Yeah, I'm sorry. mentioned them. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't had a cronut in so long. Yeah, for me, it's it's the 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 understanding of my my brain and you. It's like cronuts are the, the your brain worms. Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah, these these obviously for. Obviously, taking out the ultra. Well, sorry, um, not the ultra violence, but the the disturbing imagery. Yeah. Um, these are pretty much blow for blow, very similar movies. Yes. Obviously, because they're based on the same story. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. So going into it, I wasn't sure how similar they'd be, considering the Northman is based on Amleth rather than Hamlet. Yeah. Um, and the Lion King is like loosely based on Hamlet, but also based on a few biblical stories um, and a few other things. Um, so it was interesting to me just how much the journeys are the same. Yeah. Um, because they do very much go through the same kind of character journey. Um, and they do both end in a, in a a fight on, in a fiery area. So obviously, uh, Pride Rock gets set on fire because they're in the middle of a drought, which the, the people blame on Scar, even though that droughts come and go in, in that area of um, Africa. And yeah. Well, the problem is that Scar won't let, leave, let them leave the, and go yeah, to the yeah. place. Um, yeah. He is, because uh, that was one of the things I found in the, um, in the trivia, is that Scar is supposed to be representative of the seven deadly sins. Um, Envy? So or he, is he just all of them except lost? All of them. All of them, no, inc- well, including lust, but they deleted the scenes. They um, deleted the lust scenes. They well, deleted the lust scenes. Yeah, so he's... a PG it, doesn't he? So he's it. got, you know, envy and greed because he wants power and because he's envious of uh, Mufasa and Simba and plots their deaths because of it. Um, sloth and gluttony because of the way that he's kind of lounging around and um, he's eating... We see him, like, cleaning his teeth after eating something when the rest of the pride he's are starving. starving. Yeah. Um, pride because he won't leave the pride lands even though he knows they're all going to die there and then uh, wrath because of um, you know he he attacks Sarabi when she when she compares him to Mufasa and he you know gets angry at the hyenas when they talk about Mufasa and then um, lust is uh, in a in a deleted scene they do they they put this in they had written this in and then they removed it because they thought that Sexual harassment wouldn't play well in a kid's film. Um, but he did try to um, convince Nala to, to have his cubs. Yeah. Which is what would happen in the thing. And that, and so in the, uh, in, I think in the deleted version, or like in the original version, that was why Nala had left. Right. Was because she was trying to, she, she was uh, exiled for rejecting his advances. Um, and then she comes back with Simba, whereas they rewrote it that she went looking for help because the pride was in trouble. Um, but yeah, initially she they had had her leave after, or had her be exiled after she refused to, uh, you know, accept Scar's advances, which is interesting because that happens in the Northmen as well. Yeah. And that's how, um, you know, they, they, how um, 
thingy, Olga, ends up not not bearing the children of um, his uncle, Fjolnir. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, so he was, he was the seven deadly sins. Interesting. Yeah. So that was, yeah, because you were talking about him not, not wanting to leave, even though there's a drought and there's, and there's no food and they're all, and there's no water. I was actually talking about the lightning strike that sets the pride on fire versus fighting to death in a, in in a, a volcano. volcano. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which was very Mustafar. Um, yes. Yeah. One, one of the only uh, sequences, I think, that probably wasn't filmed in Ireland. Yeah. Because uh, that, was the, that was the thing. I was like, where was this filmed? And you're like, Ireland. And I'm like, that explains why it's so lush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, lush, but there's no trees. It's set in like what would be modern day Scotland, Iceland, and Ukraine. Yeah. Um, But it's almost entirely filmed in Ireland. So there are sequences filmed in Iceland, which probably are mainly to do with volcanoes. Because yeah. um, there are sequences and with snow. volcanoes. And snow. Yeah, yeah, there's no snow in Ireland. Though they filmed all of, mostly up in Ulster, so that would be the area that would be most likely to get snow, because it's furthest north. Okay. Um, they filmed a lot in Donegal, and then in parts of Northern Ireland. Um, but yeah, that's a lot of a lot of Ireland shots. I'm, I'm literally, I'm, I'm sort of... Uh, You're movied out? I'm movied out, yeah. Okay. Uh, we look at... I mean, I've already touched on some IMDb trivia. One of the things I thought was interesting was um, the filming of The Northman was supposed to start in March 2020. Ugh. Um, that's like we mentioned earlier. Like COVID, <laughs> COVID has done some massive damage to... Um, yeah. Like it's... Um, uh, someone mentioned it earlier today, for me anyway, um, Superstore. Mm. Um, because the guy who played oh, I can't remember the name of the characters now uh, Nico is going on to join the cast of um, Guardians 3 okay and oh, yeah made mention of the fact that like they did really well with their plot because they worked in retail and it was COVID and, and they, they, did, they all wore masks and they yeah. had people disobeying regulations yeah. and all that and yeah. then talking about how ridiculous you know um, corporate you know, ideas of, oh, well, now you just have to sanitize, sanitize everything, everything. Yeah, <laughs> sanitize everything constantly forever. Like, you have to sanitize the baskets, the trolleys, the workstations, the, you know. Yeah. And it's only when you see the characters meet together in a back corner where they take their masks off and talk to each other. But it was, it was interesting. But, yeah, COVID has done massive damage because, like, even now, like, we, we go to a thing called this, um, the, oh, we, sorry, I won't, I won't say the name of it. People might uh, stalk us or something. Uh, <laughs> I doubt it. Um, we go to a movie theatre with people we know, and even oh, still, yeah. like, I still feel uncomfortable when people aren't wearing masks. Yeah. And, like, yeah, anytime so I'm out in public and I'm in a store and people aren't wearing masks and I am wearing a mask and I'm just like, what? And it's funny because, like, there's weird programming in my brain is I watch ads that were obviously set and made pre-COVID, and there'll be a customer who walks into a store, like it could be a you know New Zealand brand ad or like an overseas brand ad, and they don't put masks on. I'm like, what are they doing? <laughs> You're all gonna die. You're like, put the mask on. But yeah, the the it's good seeing that the movie industry is recovering. Yeah. But it's still you know there's a lot of people out there that like myself that still aren't super confident like. I felt really uncomfortable during uh, Doctor Strange, mm. um, but I didn't feel as uncomfortable when we watched um, 
everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. Because it was less people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. It's it's a. And I think what you were talking there about, you know, people we know, it's um, a friend of ours books out a whole cinema. Yeah. So, but a lot of, but it's every seat is filled. Yeah. And we don't necessarily know the people next to us. They're just like a friend of a friend. And yeah. they, often they'll have their mask off, and I'm like, my mask is on for the whole film. Um, but yeah, anyway, so the, the, they had already set up the sets and they had actors present and on set rehearsing and then production was shut down before they started filming. Um, but they used it to their advantage because the, because the sets were already constructed, they were able to weather realistically. Oh, wow. And then also any even playing Vikings used the time to grow their beards out longer. Nice. <laughs> so I thought that was clever. Um, the, the, the Berserkers, which we talked about before, um, Robert Eggers originally wanted them to be totally naked, um, cause he thought that that would be more realistic, yeah. but, um, he decided not to pursue it because he thought it would be too alienating to audiences and also, uh, they'd have to put a higher age restriction on the film. Yeah. Just a bunch of just very, very buff bearded men charging into battle naked, yeah. which would have been historically accurate, but yeah, you know, still... Just, you know, dangly bits and, and blood being sprayed everywhere would have been um, upsetting to some people. Yeah, they also had to change the budget of the film because of COVID. So the original budget of the film was between 60 and $65 million. Yeah. Um, which is funny because his, his original films, so The Witch and The Lighthouse were made on $9 million and $4 million respectively. Wow, it's and like... suddenly he's got a $60 million budget. But because of COVID, it was pushed out to $90 million because they had to, A, they had to delay everything. And B, they didn't have to have additional restrictions and things on site. Um, new protocols and things. So, yeah, um, budget of 90 million in the end. Because uh, that was one of the things we've found interesting. Well, I found interesting um, watching movies because obviously watching Marvel movies, you have to sit through the mid credit scene and the end credit scene. Yeah. And seeing... Because uh, you look at animators and I just look at weird stuff. Yeah, yeah. The one that I find interesting, which has obviously popped up and will probably disappear in a couple of years, is the COVID safety officers being a yeah. you know natural job and there being multiple across different locations yeah, and different places. Yeah, and, and there's like different COVID related jobs and, yeah. and the productions and stuff. I didn't, I didn't pay attention to the credits of the Northman to be honest. I think I joked about do we have to see wait through the credits to see the, um, <laughs> the, the, how this is connected to the MCU yeah, and you yeah. were just like not paying attention and no. it's just like nah. um, so The Lion King was the highest grossing film of 1994 worldwide the hell else came on you keep talking on uh, in, it was only the second highest in the US though behind Forrest Gump but, in, but internationally The Lion King was the highest highest grossing film um, the other thing that I found interesting about The Lion King was um, the wildebeest scene. Um, and again, I looked at this trivia before I watched, uh, so I was keeping an eye out for this. And that scene is very cinematic. Um, but it was, this is 94, so it was right when Disney were starting to experiment with bits and, bits and pieces of CG. Uh, and the, they created a new computer program for the scene, because they did the wildebeest stampede in CG. And it took three years to animate. Jesus. Just that sequence. Um, because they had to write a program to generate animals to run without colliding into each other. Yeah, it's like what Weta did for um, the Urukai. Yeah. In Helm's Deep. Yeah, but that was about 10 years later. Yeah. Wow, there was... 
Wow. The Wagner films in in 94. Just so many films that I've seen. <laughs> um, some of like classics that I didn't even remember. Like, um, I don't know, Airheads came out in 94. I don't even know what Airheads is, to be honest. Um, it's uh, Brendan Fraser, Steve Buscemi and Adam uh, uh, Sandler and Chris Farley. Okay. It's yeah. You'll have to watch it. If people who have watched Airheads will know what I'm talking about, but for you, you don't. Fair enough. And for for me, if you're watching, want to watch a, a weird, weird, weird movie, um, but not weird in like a in a in an Eggers kind of way, but just weird in a weird way. Yeah, I I recommend. If you like okay. Kevin Smith, you will like Airheads. Fair enough. Um, I really liked the IMDb trivia notes for. Um, the liking because it just was full of things that I thought was were fun. So like Pumbaa is the first character in a Disney film to exhibit flatulence. Yeah, that's good. Which is fun. Adult Simba's mane is inspired by John Bon Jovi's hair. Which is a very Lisa fact. I just thought that was amazing. So like the whole time I was watching, I was like, yeah, that does look like John Bon Jovi. Um, <laughs> I just loved that that was a fact. Also. Um, Nathan Lane improvised a lot of lines. So the line where he says, what do you want me to do? Dress and drag and do the hula. That was Nathan Lane improvising. So then they, they decided based on that to do the sequence where they do dress and drag and do the hula. Um, I love Nathan Lane. I really, really like Nathan Lane as an actor. Um, as a comedian, I guess. He's just a, he's just a funny guy. We'll, we'll be watching another Nathan Lane movie in about a year's time. People can speculate on that. Um, well, I can speculate on that. I don't know. <laughs> um, the um, other thing that I liked was that there's not a single recording of an actual lion roar in the whole movie. Every single lion roar in The Lion King is Frank Welker, uh, who we know as doing, I think he did all of the pig noises in... Babe? I can't remember if it was Babe or Gordy. Oh, I think it might have been Gordy. I think he did all the pig noises in Gordy. That's weird, but okay. Um, Frank Welker, of course, does like a lot of animal noises. In, we've talked about this in our Talking Pigs episode, but yeah. he did like uh, a boo in uh, a boo and the carpet, I think, in Aladdin, and the 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 um, footstool in Beauty and the Beast, and you know he just does a lot of. There's a lot of films where you'll see Frank Welker credited as. Um, animal noises or additional voices or whatever, uh, and then he also has played Fred Jones and Scooby Doo for like 40, 50 years. Yeah, as you do. <laughs> so if you want to hear his normal voice, it's that. If you want to hear him do animal noises, literally any animated film in the past thirty years probably has yeah. Frank Welker voices, um, because he he's just well known as the animal noise guy. Yeah, because it's it's not one of those things. Like I remember watching the the I don't even know if it's real the MGM logo. Oh yeah, he that that line is from Dublin Zoo. Yeah. There you go. That's just a fact that I know. The line in the MGM logo is yeah. from Dublin Zoo. On that note. <laughs> that's it. That's our end. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, we never actually talked about the the box, box office. Of box office is irrelevant because you're talking about a movie that came out in '94 <laughs> um, that's animated, and you just said was the highest grossing yeah. movie of '94 that included Shawshank Redemption, Forrest yeah. Gump. Pulp Fiction, so Clerks, Airheads, Maverick, Stargate. I didn't even bother to take down a specific figure, but it was... Uh, so the budget was about $45 million to the Lion King, and the box office was, was over $1 billion. 
I think it was the first one I've seen that that we've talked about on the podcast that was more more than a billion. I'm sure it was like a billion and sixty nine million or something like that. As you do. Um, and it probably cost the movie probably cost more than that because of uh, Hollywood um, financing. Mm, yeah, probably. Um, the Northman, as we talked about, the budget went up from sixty million to ninety million. I think so far it's made about seventy million back in box office. But I mean that, like I said, was COVID cinema delays and stuff. It'll, it, by the time this is released, it'll have made more than that, and then you know. And then on top of that, you know, Netflix will get contracts for it and. Yeah, some, then, then, some, some streaming platform will get it. Because that's the interesting thing. We talk about budgets because obviously you're comparing apples with apples when they came out at the same time in the same movie. Um, yeah, it doesn't work when we're doing these when there's like a 20 year And gap. obviously, yeah, and obviously there wasn't the techno, like, you know. We, 30 year gap, sorry. Yeah. I was, I was thinking. I know, I do it all the time. God, I'm so old. Um, <laughs> yeah, with, with streaming services nowadays, we have, as the audience, and subscribers to these services, you have no idea. You know, they're like, oh, well, you know, this, this, we, we, you know, Netflix's model at the moment um, is focusing on them um, because they're doing all sorts of weird stuff that's probably going to, but has and probably will push more people away. Um, they're doing the whole, it's better to start a new series. Uh, and rather than continuing it on, even though it has a fan base, because they only measure it based on the metrics of how many people watch the you know the episodes, and it's you know very confusing. Mm. But at the same time, without Netflix, we wouldn't have Umbrella Academy, wouldn't have um, Stranger Things, Queen's Gambit, which Queen's Gambit, earlier. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the, some of the Netflix originals are absolutely fantastic in comparison to the first stuff they were producing. And they also shouldn't touch anything Japanese. Just saying that you just stop making Western um, animes into live action, and then don't make an anime that's supposed to be set in Europe with Asian actors. But anyway, um, don't yeah, um, yeah. We'll never know as the audience. Sorry, getting to the point. Eventually. Um, how much money exchanges hands between streaming services and the distribution right. companies. So, you, you know, despite the fact that it might not do well in th- theatres and it was always DVD sales that got sequels, yeah, that's kind of disappearing now. Yeah. You know, without the DVD sales and Blu-ray sales of Firefly, we never would have got the movie Serenity and it would be interesting doing the exact same thing now. Like uh, the one that I showed you... Early on, so I'm going on a tangent, folks. Um, Nightflyer, mm. which was produced and funded by Sci-Fi Channel. Right. And then they shit-canned it and then sold it to Netflix. And everyone on Netflix loved it yeah. and then went, where's the sequel, guys? And they're like, it's not actually ours. Yeah. Where's, where's season two? It's like, not actually ours. Like, yeah. we, we don't own anything other than distribution rights. Like, so... Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, Netflix... Like, what? Oh, good answers. No. Netflix have had big problems with that as well, with like deciding just not to make extra seasons of things and stuff because they people they get people in for the first season so they'll maybe do a second season and then they don't need to do more. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that uh, you know, examples you mentioned there, Umbrella Academy and Stranger Things have had more than two seasons, but um, I think a lot of people have been disappointed in. Oh, Colony, Colony for me was a big one. Hmm. 
You haven't watched that. No. I recommend it to anybody who likes that kind of dystopian science fiction where there's something going on in the background and you only get tiny little snippets of it per season. Is that the one that Sawyer from Lost is Yes, in? Sawyer from Lost is in it. And um, the evil woman who played Rick's woman um, wife in Walking Dead. I oh, can't okay. remember her name. I don't know. She's also in it. Okay. Um, uh, the... Oh, man, I, I'm terrible with actors' names. That's okay. Anyway, let's... I mean, I just referred to someone as Sawyer from Lost, and that's definitely not his name in real life. Yeah. Um, I, at one time in my life, I would have known what his name was, but I, it's been a long time since I was a Lost fan. Anyway. We want to you imagine that being a Netflix series. Imagine Lost being a Netflix series. Because you would have got three seasons, and that would have been it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I did get answers in the end of Lost anyway. I don't think anybody did. I don't but, um, think J.J. Abrams and the rest of the writers had any freaking clue what was going on. Either, <laughs> they're on the island, they're not on the island, then they're all dead, Let then they're not that, dead, and then know, there was a hatch, and first, then not the hatch, and then... The first two seasons of Lost, they were very good. And then it just slowly degraded. They had the most amazing pilot I've ever seen of a pilot of a TV show. Yeah, and I'm genuinely, the first episode of the second season of Lost is one of my favorite individual episodes of a TV show ever. Especially just, like, the opening sequence. But uh, that's not what we're talking about. We'll, we might as well wrap up at this point, because then we've gone on a tangent about Lost. Um, we're tangents about tangents within tangents. Yeah. Tell, us, tell us your thoughts it's on Lost. It's a weird tangents. <laughs> um, all right, you happy to wrap up? Yes. Okay, sweet. Uh, so, if you want to find us on social media, you can do so at it takes two, yeah, it takes two underscore pod on Twitter and Instagram, or it takes two pod on Facebook. And our website, where we have episodes and other places to listen to us, is it takes nz. Thank you for joining us, and we hope to hear from you on those comment sections. We'll okay. catch you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>